Hello, and welcome to A Lot to Process. This podcast features conversations among a diverse group of friends, writers, thinkers, educators, and aficionados about pop culture, books, lived experience, and current events. Our multi-generational, multi-racial creative team uncovers the problematic and the transcendent, bringing many identities, feminist, queer, straight, black, white, Asian, and more to the conversation. Welcome back. I'm your host, Joanna Chen, and joining me is co-host, Brianne Young. Hi. Today we'll be talking about body positivity and neutrality, and before we get into it, I want to go ahead and give a trigger warning because we'll be talking about racism, eating disorders, and diet culture. I really invite you to join in on this conversation. I'll be speaking from my perspective, struggling with anxiety, how that overlaps with eating disorders I've had, and the current point in my journey, healing my relationship with food and learning intuitive eating with a registered dietitian. And I will be talking about my perspective as well, mostly my uh, lifelong struggle with weight loss, um, my relationship with exercising and working out. Um, I will also be talking about some of the things I have learned in 2020 to help me create a better relationship with food and with um, body image in particular. I'll be talking about uh, some of the articles that I've read and some things I've learned about BMI um, and basically how that has reshaped my view on what healthy means. Um, I'll also be talking about my experience with a registered dietitian and then we'll close with some habits and practices that we'll be uh, adopting and ditching in 2021. And as you relate to this information or you have a perspective that is different from our own, again, the purpose of A Lot to Process is to generate these conversations. And we encourage you to email us at altppodcast at gmail.com or you can check us out and follow us on Facebook. Our Facebook name is A Lot to Process Podcast, or you can check us out on Instagram. Our Instagram username is ALTP Podcast. Great. I'm excited to get into it, Brie. This is a conversation that I think both of us have been on a journey on um, separately, and it's happening to converge at such a perfect time. Um, as we are in the year 2021, uh, I think 2020 was a year of reflection for me. And um, I've been waiting to make this pun. Now that hindsight is 2020, I think there is so much to look back on and think about, just like you said, how what we've learned and been exposed to has reshaped our personal bigger picture. Um, I think especially talking about the history of BMI, which you're going to get into, and also what that looks like specifically in America, so many of this is tinged with the our history of racism. And um, I know for 
some people that's an uncomfortable conversation or that may seem like something that isn't relevant in their lives. But um, I want to go ahead and set up this conversation by saying that so much of my journey right now has been informed by people beyond the gender, gender binary. So that's um, Alok, who is an artist and writer who has talked about what existing outside of what a norm is has freed him. And also looking at the Black um, women who have been promoted on Jamila Jamil's I Weigh Instagram and how we can look at the ways that our society has failed to include people to learn about how it fails to include those who are beyond a size to dress size. And um, I want to start this conversation with, Bree, what you learned about with BMI. Sure. Uh, thanks, Joanna. Uh, and this is, uh, Joanna said that 2020 was a year of, of reflection for her. And 2020 was definitely a year of learning and adopting for me. There was so much I learned about um, about body image and body positivity and neutrality um, and it kind of started with with learning about BMI, things that I hadn't known before. So I'm I'm really excited to share uh, the the history of it because I think it's really important that everyone realizes that BMI is just is was never meant to be a measurement of health or a measurement of weight. And I don't personally think it should be used in modern medicine. Um, so for the, the background, it was created by a man. Adolf Quetzlet, uh, 200 years ago, so late 1700s, uh, this Quetzlet had no medical background at all. He was yeah. an astronomer, a mathematician, statistician, and sociologist. And when he created it, it was called the Quetzlet Index. Um, and it was basically used to measure the average size of a population. But back then, it was specifically for French and Scottish white males. Men. Yeah. Right. And also to elaborate on that, BMI is such an oversimplification. It's literally mass over height squared, which even as we think about it, we know that there are so many factors into what makes someone healthy that we know inherently, and yet we rely on BMI so much. So for example, what Bree is about to talk about with how much she exercises, the other indicators that she is completely normal on. Right. And and that's such a great point because healthy, what I have learned throughout 2020 is that healthy means so much more than weight. That your your weight just really is not at all any kind of complete measurement of your health. Um, going back to the BMI a little bit, when especially for, for females and for people of color, again, this BMI was created, this index, only using measurements of white males in Western Europe. So it, it reflects nothing about health other than other than weight. Um, and this index was eventually used uh, to justify eugenics, which was the systemic sterilization of disabled people, autistic people, immigrants, poor people, people of color, which was completely outside of its intention. They were using this index um, you know, that was never made to, to measure health or weight. 
So it's really just something that's so outdated. It's not relevant at all. Um, and then even later, like in the early 1900s, it only became popularized again because insurance companies knew that they could monetize it. They knew right. that they could money by telling people that fell outside of the what was deemed as the normal levels for BMI. They knew they right. could charge higher premiums and all of that kind of stuff. So it was, yeah. it's just so irrelevant today. And, and the important thing to note about the insurance company is they did not consult health professionals. This is purely right. from a business standpoint. How can we use very easily measured things, which insurance companies don't even measure themselves? We, in this article that we'll link in the show notes, they talk about how people self-report and I also like the part about the article where this boom in people being overweight was a result of people changing the standard of BMI, not necessarily reflecting the different ways that you can be overweight and have obesity. And earlier you touched on this point where it's less accurate for women of color. And in the article as well, it was talking about how it failed to detect obesity in 50% of women and that changes depending on your ethnicity as well. So there's multiple ways that this has failed us and yet we allow it to impact the quality of healthcare we receive. Exactly. And I know personally for me, um, you know, as someone that has always struggled with weight loss and has been deemed as the overweight or obese category at, at multiple times throughout my life, it, it definitely, you know, it affects how you think about yourself. It affects um, your, your confidence levels. And so learning this has just really helped me reframe, um, you know, my meaning of healthy and allowed me to focus more on what I do and not necessarily on what this outdated racist sexist chart is telling society how we should feel. Yeah, definitely. So we've covered a little bit about information that has reshaped our bigger picture. And now I wanna move into what that means for our personal stories and our journey. So what has that been like for you, Brie? Um, where have you started from? Where are you now? What are some things you've learned along the way? Sure. Um, so again, I, I think I've mentioned this a lot already, but I've kind of struggled with weight, with weight, my weight ever since I've been eight years old. Um, I've been classified as overweight and obese per the, the BMI index. And I my weight has fluctuated so much. And it's re it really started doing that in college and ever since college. I have done the diets, I've done Weight Watchers, I've had personal trainers, I've used my fitness pal. Um, you know, and just so everyone knows, because they can't see Brie, Brie is the most athletic person ever. She, whenever we first started working together, just casually ran in the morning, was training for a half marathon, is a super accomplished soccer athlete, soccer, right? Yes, uh-huh. She's incredible. Like the, it just doesn't fit with the picture that you're not able to see as you're listening to this. Oh my gosh, Joanna, thank you so much for pointing that out because like, honestly, that describes how I felt about myself like my entire life because I have, like I do work out regularly. I've always been an athlete. So exercising and working out is really important to me. I really enjoy it. Um, especially right now, I work two 
jobs. I'm in grad school. So like exercising and working out is my like one hour a day that I don't have to look at a screen or look at a book and it's time for myself. Um, so it's just like, doesn't, it's never really fit with me. Um, that I can be so healthy in all the other indicators that doctors and dietitians actually use that scientifically or medically based cholesterol, blood pressure, vitamin levels, cardiovascular health, health, muscle mass, like all I'm so healthy. And I don't want to sound like braggy here, but I I'm so healthy in all those other categories. And I lead like a healthy lifestyle. And I watch what I eat to some degree. But again, like I've just always been overweight or, you know, not a size two, four or six, which is, um, I guess, you know, what is kind of that mid-size plus size range is above those sizes. So um, I can say that the most helpful thing that I've learned um, was when I started seeing a registered dietitian about nine months ago. And before um, we get to that point... Um, I also wanted to say really quickly, um, I'm losing my train of thought right now, um, that I think you are basically talking about not feeling validated by society when you know that this is not who you are in terms of feeling healthy. And from my perspective, I think I'm a little different from Brie in the sense that similar, or I'll start with what, how we're similar. I've also struggled with my weight since um, I was really young. And I remember in middle school, I got to the point where I started asking my mom, like, how to diet. And I did all liquid diets in middle school, which is so young. And even in high school, whenever I was 120 pounds and 5'2", I felt fat. And that was body dysmorphia setting in and just feeling like, especially as an Asian American woman, there is a standard of American weight that is different from Asian weight. And even though our bodies carry weight differently, it made me constantly feel like I just didn't weigh less enough. And that really shaped so much of how I approached exercise. And um, I also was on and off diets all the time. They weren't healthy. They would be um, binges. And especially in college, I um, took it too far where whenever I was stressed out, I exercised too much. And um, at one point, I tried to do a pseudo vegetarian diet where I did not eat enough protein, and it was so bad that I got a kidney infection, and my mom had to come pick me up because I was didn't have enough water. So it's I have a different experience than Brie in the sense that I've never been particularly athletic, but I do feel what Brie is talking about with this. Not only do I not feel validated by society and how I want to exist beyond my weight, but I also feel the pressure of society to be what Bree's talking about, a size two to six, right. and to be under a certain weight, to look a certain way when it just wasn't achievable for me. And I tried so hard. So going back to you, Bree. Yeah. And Joanna, like, that's so true. And I, I'm going to talk about this later. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention was that me 
not being like a size two, four, six was for sure not for a lack of trying. Yeah. And I kind of, I like, I feel bad saying that because, you know, one of the things that I really look back on in 2020 is like, why was I trying so hard? Because, Ooh. and it was because of society and other people's ideas of what healthy means. And I let it get to me, I guess. Like, and so, um, again, I'll talk about what I'm doing in 2021 to change that perspective, but it's really just trying to get in my own head and ignore society because I, I think society is taking like some good steps and, and normalizing bodies that are bigger than a size two to six, but it's definitely not everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what yeah. I was going to mention before, mm-hmm. that one of the most helpful things I've learned when I started seeing my registered dietitian, and I, I do kind of want to mention that I actually started seeing a registered dietitian yeah. because I was struggling with maintaining some levels of like sodium and potassium, and I was having um, some vertigo and vasovagal syncope I was diagnosed with. So I, I was just trying to like kind of figure out how I could change like my eating habits um, to make my body feel like at its top, like performance wise again. Um, but one of the things my registered dietitian it told me was that she's anti diet. Mine too. Yeah. And that there's so, all of the diets that are out there keto, intermittent fasting, no carb, like detox diets, liquid diets, they don't work. They're not sustainable. Research shows that two thirds of dieters will gain back more weight than what they've originally lost. There's very few, like really very few randomized control trials that show sustained loss um, and weight loss that lasts long-term, so more than a year for any of these diets. So she's just, she's really helped me like learn that dieting is not the answer to being. Yeah. And um, similarly, and I also acknowledge how much privilege we have to be able to go to a registered dietitian as we're struggling with these things, um, especially in quarantine right now. This mm-hmm. is the most I have ever weighed. My schedule completely changed. I am not able to exercise the way that I used to. And it's also been really stressful. I have a lot of anxiety. And um, I found a therapist. And through that, I found a registered dietitian that also works through cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, And I want to plug her because I love her so much. Her name is Melissa. You can find her on Instagram at single.mom.nutritionist. But similarly to Brie, like she's talking about how the diet industry is a billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. And there's something that we have to acknowledge and be curious about when we know that they are commodifying our shame. They are mm-hmm. commodifying, making us feel like we are not enough. And um, earlier we were talking about information that has reshaped our bigger picture. And part of that is really learning about the history of sexism in our country and how um, we have turned against larger bodies and how that has racist roots. So we were learning, um, my 
my Melissa, my dietitian Melissa recommended this podcast called Dietitians Unplugged. And they were talking about how in America, because Black women who are enslaved carry more weight on their body to control white women, they created this idea that if you have curves, if you look like a Black woman, then that is a negative thing because of how sexism was able to control women in society to behave and look a certain way. And we still see remnants of that. As we look in Hollywood, like no one is big. And even if they are big, like they were known for that, or they aren't actually that big. If you think about what is average in America and it's a way to sell products it's celebrities as you see them being thin, as they have access to things that average people don't like surgeries, uh, nutritionists that comes in and creates their every single meal. Like those are things that we do not have access to that are not accessible to us. And yet we are all held to the standard of beauty. So Brie, how has that contributed to you? Is that something that's similar in where you are in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think social media has had both real has been really bad, but also more recently for me has been really good. Um, because Can you elaborate more on that? What do you yeah, mean? So, I mean, social media, as we all know, is so I don't want to use the word fake, but no one's in there posting about like their worst days or their you know, it's curated, right? They're posting, you know, when they look their best, they're posting about their weight loss, not their weight gain. They're also selling products and not even and celebrities, but even just like influencers are, you know, any kind of, you know, weird diet trends, weird gummies, teas, detoxes, (laughs) like all this stuff um, that you see, um, not, you know, just regular people posting about now and right. Reg- I mean, regular is like not a celebrity or not famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it can just be so detrimental to body image and self-worth when you see people's perfect moments and their best, yeah. and you have to live up to that or that you're not living your life well enough if you don't look like that, or you're not experiencing the same things that those people are experiencing. Right. Um, And that's definitely, I don't, I think that's something I got caught up in. I think that's something that many, many people get caught up in. I know I've had a conversation with close friends and close family about how that's affected them. Um, But as I uh, joined TikTok in quarantine, (laughs) (laughs) I've actually, I'm going to be honest, that's where I've, I've learned a lot about, um, or I've learned a lot from the anti-diet dietitians on TikTok Mm. and um, some women that are considered mid-size or plus size really trying to promote how that is normal and how that it's just completely, I guess, been so overwhelming that they, um, you know, for me to see people people going on there and posting that and talking about it. And it's been really, like I said, that's, it's, that's the good part is it's been really helpful to see people my size or, or, you know, posting about their fashion trends and, um, 
um, being that size. So I agree with that. And I think you're touching on this idea of just as people curate their content to be their best, Mm -hmm. we can also curate our feeds and make sure that they're reflecting the things that we want to be exposed to and be aware of how that impacts our mental health. Because, hold on, my dog. She's so cute. Okay. Um, Because I think I had a similar journey where, especially at the start of the Black Lives Matter protest, I started being really interested in following content that helped challenge my biases Mm -hmm. and taught me more. So instead of following who I was following before, I really wanted people who were beyond how I think of things right now. And so I love what you're talking about with TikTok and making sure that you're following people who look like you, mm-hmm. who support you. And I think even we can take that a step farther, um, look at, following people who don't look like you and can teach you things. And I think the beautiful thing about social media is now we are able to hear the voices of people without um, a gatekeeper saying that, oh, you need to look these certain ways. So like Mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier with what Hollywood looks like. Mm -hmm. Social media doesn't have those restrictions. And kind of what we were talking about earlier, I love uh, um, A-Look so much. A look so much because they are someone who was able to articulate what the freedom of in the struggle in living beyond a gender binary, informing how they present themselves and how that meant that there are so many other ways where we receive the way that society restricts us and instead of questioning society we question ourselves Mm -hmm. when we need to consider the bigger picture and that's why I love having this conversation with you because I feel like that's where we are right now where our whole lives we've been punishing ourselves when really do we really agree with how society is shaped right now is that something that we want to continue putting into our lives and if not, how can we learn from these things to move forward? And I think that's our conversation right now. Yeah, that's that's such a great point. And I would highly recommend um, that any of our listeners do a social media cleanse. Yeah. I did during the Black Lives Matter movement. I did it uh, frequently during uh, this most recent presidential election. Mm. And I've done it kind of throughout the year uh, after learning and following some some accounts that were more body positive um just getting ri- you know rid of people that are not um posting positive content and content that you really find fulfilling and that it matches with your values and your beliefs um and i also uh want to i loved your point joanna about um questioning society mm. uh, that is absolutely something that I didn't do. And I don't think many people do now because it's hard to do that. I mean, it's hard to to do that when everyone's telling you not to, that you should be questioning yourself and changing yourself. And you should be like, it's it's hard to take a step back and be like, well, why? Like, who who says that I need to change myself? And why am I letting people tell me to change myself? 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's, that's definitely something I've learned is to take a step back from any content you see, really like take a look at why is this being posted? Who is posting yeah. this? How are they benefiting from posting this or from what they're saying? Is it paid? Is it a sponsor? Is it mm. promoting value that you don't necessarily agree with? Yeah. Like all of those critical thinking skills have, have helped me this year. And I think I've learned to develop them really well when yeah. analyzing content that I'm, be, that I'm seeing be put out there. That is such a good negative wisdom. I just want to sit in that for a bit. Um, I love that so much. And I think that's something that I've really been learning. I really want to talk about our registered dietitians, so we've been learning from them next. Um, Because I think what you just said really overlaps with that. She, um, so in that podcast I was talking about earlier, the show notes are going to be very detailed. That's Brie and I as hosts. Um, But in the Dietitians Unplugged podcast, they that she recommended and some other information she shared with me. She was talking about it from the social justice perspective of how do we want to reshape our society and what does that mean for our personal journeys? And especially, I loved how you summarized that of who is telling us these things. And especially whenever you look at diet companies or the diet industry at large, the people at the top are white men. Do we really mm-hmm. want white men? I was just going to say that. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Like when you said who, white yeah. men immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and Melissa was really good at saying like, they're making these decisions, not considering our health, well-being. They're talking mm-hmm. about the lining in their pocket. And yet we have internalized these messages so hard that it influences our personal decisions on what we eat. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And what That's- we wear. Yeah, how we structure our day, like fitting in exercises and yeah, yeah. that's a level of control that we should all feel uncomfortable about and question like, why can someone make personal decisions like that for me? (laughs) Oh Oh my gosh. Yeah, I really enjoyed learning that. So um, what has your, what have you, how have you grown on your, in your relationship with your diet registered dietitian and how has that changed you? Sure. So like I said, I started seeing my, my registered dietitian, um, I think in May of 2020. Um, and she was really the one who helped me learn about the dieting and how bad it is and her being anti-diet, what anti-diet means, just learning about some of, of, you know, the research of why diet, why, excuse me, why dieting is not successful. How did you find her? More. Um, so like I said, I was actually going to a cardiologist because I was having a lot of trouble, like in early 2020 with, um, vasovagal syncope, which, uh, was like when my blood pressure, my blood pressure was dropping too low, too fast. And I was having a lot of like dizzy spells, passing out spells. Um, and he recommended that I just go to a dietitian to like see, make sure that what I was eating was what was best for my body. Like I said, I'm very active. So did I need to like, do I need to be eating a lot more protein, a lot more salt? And so that was my main reason for going to the dietitian um, was not necessarily, 
necessarily weight loss, although like I would have been happy if that was a side effect, which it was a little bit. Um, but it was more to just ensure that like what I was eating was, I guess, optimum for my body. And so it was recommended through my cardiologist. Uh, one, it was a dietitian that he sends a lot of his patients to. Um, and she, it was just so helpful learning about dieting. Cause that's really what I had been doing my whole, my whole life. Um, now I will say she does have me like counting calories right now, which I don't love. Um, I, and I, I, it's actually one of the things that I'm really questioning whether I want to continue in 2021, um, and determining if weight loss is that important to me that I want to spend like my time tracking my calories. I, I'm kind of right now, as I'm saying this leaning towards, no, it's not something that I want to spend my time doing. I'm a very busy person. Like I would love to have an extra free 30 minutes in my day not to count calories. And I am, I'm at a a weight loss plateau right now. Um, I know I told Jana, Joanna that before we started that, um, like I did lose about 10 pounds through the last like nine months during quarantine through seeing this dietitian, but I've been kind of at a standstill for the last three months. And she has suggested that like, I start tracking like my macronutrients and my sugar intake, which And I like the first time she mentioned it, I just kind of looked at her and I was like, no, yeah, like that's not something I spend my time doing. Yeah. Um, So so as much as my registered dietitian has definitely helped with the anti-diet culture, um, I am kind of at a point now. So I'm kind of glad we're doing this podcast episode, actually, where I am questioning like whether it's right for me to continue seeing a dietitian, if that's what they're going to suggest that I do. Um, and more so it's about me being okay with how I look. Like, am I okay with right now? Am I okay with never being below a size 10 again? Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I should be okay with that. But again, I'm doing after 28 years spent of being told that we shouldn't be okay with being a size 10 and it's that we should that be trying to mm-hmm. achieve size two to six. Mm-hmm. Like it is hard to let that go it's hard yeah. to make peace with that. Um, but that's, that is where I'm at with my journey right now is trying to make peace with accepting mm-hmm. where my body. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I want to sit with that for a little bit. Um, I think that was, um, that that was actually, I'm going to get my sister to that. Uh, she at one point told me like, maybe you're just at the weight that you're supposed to be at. And that's what your body's and honestly, I was mad at her when she first told me because she's like, and so, yeah, like coming from a size two, of course, you're going to be okay with where your body's at. Yeah. But like that, but then I, it actually, like, it really did hit me. And I was like, huh, Yeah. Like, maybe this is like, I feel great. I, I'm working out like my body feels like it in a really good place and like it's in the best shape it's ever yeah. been in so why is that not enough for me yeah I, I, i'm learning that it has to wow be enough. i have to learn how to make it enough for me 
I love that. Why is that not enough for me? And I also love what you're sharing about sometimes the hardest truths we resist at first. Um, and that's something I just love them so much. So I'm going to bring them up again. Alok talks about this in a podcast with Jonathan Van Ness, where as he's discovering or as he's presenting himself beyond the gender binary, he talks about how that makes other people so uncomfortable with him that the ways that society has scraped down their authenticity makes them really resistant to the way that he so authentically presents himself. And so that's why even though I love curating my feed. It's also so important to me that I follow people who push me further and that make me feel a little uncomfortable because sometimes that uncomfortability is me healing my pain, healing like and listening to that truth that your sister was able to share with you of maybe this is what your body looks like and maybe that's supposed to be okay because that should be enough. So I love that. I love that story so much. And as you were talking earlier, something that really stuck out to me is feeling uncomfortable tracking calories, knowing that that's a boundary that you want to set for yourself and Mm -hmm. questioning, even though something has been helpful and working for you, which I think a lot of women can relate to diets work sometimes for a part of the Mm -hmm. period, but knowing when to let go of that. And, um, I wanted to ask you how you found your registered dietitian because mine is a little bit different from yours where I, through therapy, as I've been learning about um, different coping mechanisms, I had this food police ideology that I shouldn't be emotional eating and Along these lines, I also was struggling with high cholesterol. So it felt like I needed a way to, as I'm healing my mental health and learning these different ways to approach it, to learn how to incorporate other frameworks and mindsets to heal my relationship with food. So I really did not want a dietitian that would tell me to count my calories because mm-hmm. that was a trigger for me. That was part of the reason why in college I took it too far and really fucked up my body if I'm going to be really blunt about it. And so I found a registered dietitian that teaches something called intuitive eating. So maybe Brie, like this is going to hit where you, what you're looking for right now. Right. Um, yeah. And I, that is something that I've, I've learned more about is intuitive eating or I, and I'd want to learn more about That's one of yeah. my goals for 2021 is transitioning maybe from this dietitian into a dietitian that does teach mm. intuitive eating because I kind of think that that's more where I would be happier if I was doing that than doing yeah. what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, I think that everybody just has to find what's what's right for them. And like you said, knowing your boundaries and what you're comfortable with, yeah. what you're willing to do and not willing to do right. um, is really important because I, I'm kind of learning that like I'm not willing to spend the time yes. tracking and yeah. doing what my dietitian right now is asking of me. Yeah. Uh, 
because it, I don't want that to, I don't want my lifestyle to be like that. Yes. And I also want to acknowledge how difficult it is to set boundaries with professionals, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to your health, because so many times, like, The way that we think of being fat, it's always associated with a lack of willpower, a lack of whatever, like it's a personality flaw. Mm -hmm. And so that forces people to go beyond what is comfortable, what is intuitive for them and say, well, like this professional is talking about my health. So I want to be able to push past what I'm comfortable with. But what I've really been learning from Melissa is it's, the way that we restrict, it's the way that we track things that actually pushes us farther away from our body's innate ability to tell us what we need. So backing up a little bit, intuitive eating is healing your relationship with food. And the idea of that is the diet culture and the way that our sexist and racist society has evolved, has pushed people so far away from our body's natural hunger cues and our body's incredible ability to crave the things that you need. So I love this story so much. I remember like when I was little, I was watching this like um, Discovery Planet episode about a man who was stranded in the middle of the ocean and he lacked a nutrient in his body taught him, or not taught him, but changed his taste buds to crave the eyeballs of fish. And so when he ate it, he said it tasted so good. And they found out later after they rescued him that that was exactly the nutrient that he needed to be able to survive. So our body has an incredible ability to crave the nutrients that you need. That's awesome. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like not all of us are standing in the middle of the ocean, but I think runners can relate to when you are lacking salt, you'll start craving random things like pickle juice or like things like that. So there are ways that we know this. And that's what I really want to go back to. There are ways that we naturally know like things like BMI, mass over height squared. Like that doesn't make sense. That isn't me as a complete human being. No, that doesn't tell us anything. Exactly. Nothing. Yeah. And it's about relearning to trust yourself, learning from or being really critical about how is this research conducted? How can I make sure that this is proven? And something that Melissa talked about is even with cholesterol, we trust our doctors so much, but actually our doctors are only required to take two courses about nutrients and it's registered dietitians that we need to actually go to that can talk about what are all these factors that go into a healthy diet. And um, something that she really stressed is it's not about just what I eat, but it's Am I feeling anxious? Am I taking care of my body? Do I have other coping mechanisms to meet my anxieties and take care of myself? It's such a bigger picture that we all know about ourselves. None of us are as simple as the weight on a scale, which is why um, I love Jamila Jamil's I Weigh because she talks about, especially as women, the other ways that we can value ourselves. So that's a different tangent I want to come back to later. but. I think what has been so helpful and healing with my 
journey with Melissa has been just recognizing that my body craving food is not a bad thing. And it's normal. It's my body telling me how to survive. It's my body like taking care of me. It's also valuing myself, like the things that I'm proud of that I am able to fuel by being like full and filled with food and that's not a bad thing and earlier I mentioned that through through this quarantine process I'm at my heaviest weight but it's also the time in my life where that has mattered the least to me and Mm. this is the time where I now value above my weight like the things that I think about is like, how am I growing mentally? How am I growing in a way where I can be kinder to myself and relate to other people more compassionately? Like, there are just things that when I, through my, through Melissa, that I've been able to shrink in terms of how much I thought about my weight and fill with so many other things in my life that matter more to me. Oh, that I love that. I mean, and that's absolutely something that happened to me too. It's I had to sit back and realize, like, imagine if you spent as much time as oh. you currently do thinking about your weight and what you're eating. Imagine if you dedicated that energy and that mental capacity somewhere else. Yeah, like, yeah. Filling that could be to your life if you didn't spend your entire day thinking about what you're eating and when you're going to work out and what, how you look and, you know, Mm -hmm. to lose weight or, or whatever, like how much mental energy you could be saving and putting back into the world in a a much better use than, than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to acknowledge that men struggle with this as well. Like we all feel the societal pressure of being a certain way, which is why we really wanted to talk about body positivity to contrast all of these negative messages. But what we're really striving for is body neutrality where our body doesn't matter. Like we as human beings are so much like our souls, our ability, our mind is so much more beautiful than like just what, how much fat happens to be on our bodies right now. And and where it's at. Yeah. And normalizing that we gain weight. We gain weight when we're stressed out. We gain weight as we grow older. We gain weight as we go through puberty. Like those are all normal things. And it's not an, it's not indicative of what's healthy and not healthy. And there is a deeper pursuit to health that we can pursue that acknowledges that the way that we think about health right now is flawed because it's created by people who weren't thinking about our health. Right. Right. That's such, that's such a great point. I love that. I love that all Joanna. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think like, this is something that Jamila Jamel does on her account called I weigh. She's created this community where she encourages people to, or specifically women, to describe themselves as I weigh what I value in myself. So what what do you value in yourself, Brie? And if you could use the sentence framework of, for example, um, I weigh my emotional intelligence. That's something that I'm really 
grateful for and strive for? What about you, Brie? Um, I think for me it would be I weigh um, my kindness and my mm-hmm. empathy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really strive to to put kindness back into this world yeah. and to focus on um, things, you know, outside of me. And I think, I mean, I think that's probably true for Joanna too. Joanna and I both work in the public service profession. Yeah. Um, and it's, I love volunteering. I love helping yeah. people. I love being out in the community. And I will absolutely admit that there were times this year when I was like, oh, can I, can I go to this volunteer event? Like that means skipping a workout. Like, is that okay? Like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Obviously, (laughs) It's so much more important to do that. And like, yeah, and that's definitely how my mind has shifted this year. Mm. It's like, I am, like you said, everybody is so much more than their weight and yeah. more in your traits and your values and your beliefs and how you act towards other people are mm. so much more important. And I, I really do believe that for me, that I was put in this world to give back and to mm. help people and to be in, in this public service life that I'm currently in. And yeah. that I really need to focus on. That's amazing. I love that so much. And I think that contributes to, especially as women, as we're going through in 2016, we really saw the rise of the Me Too movement, like really questioning the ways that women especially are put in this very tight box of what we should be and how that takes away from us the opportunity to be so much more. And I love that example that you gave right now, like being able to pursue all the other aspects of your personality beyond like the workout that Mm -hmm. you thought that you needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I also want to acknowledge how difficult it is to do that. It's so difficult to be okay. And like, I, even though this is the best that I've been in my relationship with my weight and with my food. Like I am also sometimes really hyper aware of my body. And um, I know that whenever I was younger and I was really surprised to hear other people talk about this as well, like feeling like I wanted to just like pinch off or scrape off my belly. Oh, I've been through that so many times. <laughs> like, yeah. like just shave it off. Right. Like, yeah. I hate that I used to think that and that people do so. And I, and I, I do want to like point out what you said, Joanna, that even though it is the most, or even though that you're at a point, the best point, the best relationship that you've had with your body, like it's not, it's still ongoing. It's still hard. Like this is stuff that I've thought about this year that I've never realized or thought about before, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that there aren't still days where I'm like, like just yeah. frustrated or wishing I looked different or that clothes yeah. fit me differently. Yeah. Or I mean, I'm honestly still wishing that I was skinnier and, right. and I, there's definitely still points where that happens, but right. um, really trying not to, to continue with that and just definitely. to work through it. To work through yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes alongside 
as you cherish the parts of yourself and value yourself more, it becomes more jarring and easier to address as this is unhealthy for me whenever like I think about like oh I want to remove my stomach but like it's a part of me it's me hating myself and like in the same way that I don't want to remove my arm like my stomach serves me it is a part of me and I I love it and I think something that has been helpful like tactilely has been just rubbing my stomach sometime and not being upset with it and just being like this is the size <laughs> that it's at that. Oh, yeah so credits to my cousin Christine she always embraces her food baby and right after she eats her food like she's like rubbing her stomach she has everyone around the house come rub her stomach and it just yeah. like is something where I think before whenever I was full I would like have a pillow in front of my stomach I would hide my pillow like stomach mm-hmm. I'll cross mm-hmm. my arms but it's like why am I hiding why can I not take up space when this is just how I exist and that's right. okay like, all you did was eat a meal why yeah. that, like why do you have to hide that you don't right. you don't you don't exactly So I think we are going to start wrapping up now and talk a little bit about, um, well, I think we've throughout this conversation talked about influences that have shaped us and we'll definitely be linking those so that you can pursue Mm -hmm. that and we want to hear about it. So I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier. Um, Please let us know your perspectives. Please let us know how this information and how we've shared our journey has hit you on your journey and email us at altppodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at altppodcast. But we're going to be wrapping up with, as we are starting a new year, what are some habits and practices that we'll be adopting or getting rid of in our relationship with food and our bodies? And Brie? Sure. I would love to share uh, the three main things that are what I have set for myself. Um, The first thing, and this is actually something that I saw from um, an influencer I follow on TikTok, who is an eating disorder recovery coach um, and has has helped influence and shape a lot of my my changes and my attitudes and my beliefs. Um, But one of the things that she said was that don't weigh yourself at the doctor's offices when they ask you to, because so many doctors, like that's the first thing, you know, when you walk into the doctor's office, height and weight, but are, is that relevant to what you're going into the doctor's for? If you're going in there for a, um, a sprained ankle or for headaches or for something else, like is your weight, why do they need that? They don't like, they don't need that. And so many doctors today will still, you know, if they see that, your BMI, like I said, I can't believe it's still being used is in that overweight or obese category. That's automatically like the first thing that they're going to look at and they're going to talk about it. And so I told myself, I was like, okay, for, I have a lot of doctor's appointments coming up. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let them weigh me. And if they push back, I'm going to ask them, why do you need this information? Because especially I'm not going in there for like, if I'm going to the gynecologist, like not necessarily. (laughs) one thing um, that I plan on doing. Um, I also, I love fashion. And one thing that I have mm-hmm. always let hold me back is the fear of not looking like the models do in trendy clothing. And there wow. are so many trendy you know, trends and 
so many clothes, honestly, that I would say, you can't wear this because you're going to look fat or you can't wear this because this was not meant for your body type. Like skinny people should wear this. Tall people should wear this. And like, and that's again, something um, that social media has kind of helped me with. And I've started following all these accounts of midsize and plus size women who are doing try on hauls and showing, you know, how clothes are meant for everybody. Clothes are not meant Mm -hmm. for people under a certain weight or, you know, under a certain size, they are made for everybody. And so I've just like for Christmas and even before that bought a whole bunch of clothes that I never would have worn before crop tops, high-waisted pants, bodysuits, like all the stuff that I I wouldn't have considered wearing before. Cause I, I never thought that it would look good on me or I thought that people would be like, Oh my gosh, why is she wearing that? She's that size. Um, mm. And that's something I want to continue doing in, in 2021. And like I said, Joanna, I also, I'm really glad you talked about intuitive eating because that's absolutely something I've been considering um, switching to a dietitian that specializes yeah. in that. Um, so I think, I think you've convinced me in this podcast <laughs> to do that. So thank you so much. Yeah, that's really good. I'm excited to hear, um, how that goes for you. Yeah. I think similarly, I want to continue the process of learning intuitive eating. Right. Um, and I love what you said about just creating those boundaries in, professional settings where Mm -hmm. if your doctor is asking for something that isn't helpful knowing that you can say I don't want to be weighed I there's in learning that there's so much more information to be had from blood tests that Mm -hmm. can inform it Mm -hmm. and Melissa also talked about the contributors to high cholesterol is actually stress and that was something that my doctor never talks about oh wow yeah and they were like always oh you should exercise more you should eat less but that isn't addressing the mental health component of why I feel anxiety and how I am not using coping techniques that are healthy for me and it is a bigger picture so I think for my goals in 2021 I think it's continuing to give myself so much kindness and unconditional permission and being willing to release and feel uncomfortable with the ways that I have been restricting myself and the ways that I have been brainwashed by society and as I think about it critically that I don't agree with. Right. And sharing that with people because I know um, I have a friend Joey and they always talk about community care and beyond what we are very privileged to have which is having a professional registered dietitian and then taking that back to our community back to our friends and how can we continue to engage in these conversations And um, that's something that I really want to set a goal for myself. As I've learned these things, so many of the people in my life struggle with this as well. And I want to have those conversations. I want to be able to be someone who can talk, who is able to talk about these things and not pass judgment at no matter what stage in their journey they're at or where they're coming from. And I think that's something that is so difficult because. Judgment for me is definitely a defense mechanism, but I'm learning throughout this year that 
that's something that hurts me the most. And so by releasing the ways that I by releasing the ways that I have been unkind to myself, mm-hmm. um, I really want to in 2021 just continue to deepen these relationships that we have with our friends and family, um, especially since 2020 has been so difficult and we've lost so much. Right. It really put into perspective what's important. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's that's great. What a great way to end this episode. I know. I'm excited for 2021. I have high hopes. Um, yeah. And I think Joanna and I will definitely be continuing this conversation in future episodes throughout 2021. So. And thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you'll come back next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in a lot to process. As we talk about topics that are important to us from our creative team, including Donna Anderson, Carrie Osi, Sharon Lewis, Alex Sievers, Rianne Young, and me, Joanna Chen. Please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing at wherever you listen to podcasts. And join our conversation at altppodcast at gmail.com or by following us on Facebook and Instagram at ALTP Podcast. I'll see you next week where there will be no doubt a lot to process.